Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. We bring you the very best recorded panels, workshops, and seminars concerning role-playing game design and publishing. This has been made possible by the generous contributions of the panel speakers and Double Exposure with their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Episode 103, Superhero Games Across the Multiverse, recorded at Metatopia 2015, presented by Dave Chalker, Cam Banks, Darren Watts, and Christopher Vidal. Hi everyone and welcome to Watch Four Panelists Bicker About Phone Numbers dot com. Let's see who's got new is Report junk. Okay. Yeah. All right. No. Um, all right. So let's go down the line and introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Darren Watts. I used to own Hero Games. I've written a whole bunch of Champions material. Um, I also used to own Indie Press Revolution, and now I freelance. And I, most of my most recent stuff has been for Cubicle Seven, doing Doctor Who. So. I'm Cam Banks. I am a designer, writer, developer. I worked for Atlas Games, but prior to that, I worked for Margaret Watch Productions and was the lead designer and developer for Marvel Heroic Roleplay. And Smallville. And other things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm doing other things with uh, these fine gentlemen. Yes. Maybe. With me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Christopher Bedell. I am the, one of the owners of Greater Than Games. We make such fine games as Sentinels of the Multiverse and other games that aren't really, that don't pertain to what we're talking about today. Deck building. Deck building, the deck building game. It combines the joy of deck building with the love of deck building. Go. <laughs> I'm, I'm Dave Chalker. I'm a freelancer, game designer. Uh, I worked on Marvel as well with Cam, and also working on the Sentinel Comics role-playing game with Sentinel. these two guys. This, what? The, what? what? The what? what? <laughs> Surprise! I'm sorry, did I hear that? Yeah. Cool. Uh, so this panel is called Superheroes Across the Multiverse, and it's yeah. talking about superheroes and games. So um, I guess writing superheroes and games is interesting challenge because it's like, what's what's the difference between a superhero and like what's the difference between a superhero that uh, that hits something really hard and like a fantasy guy in plate mail that swings a big hammer? Like, and a lot of that has to do with like feel. I mean, depending on whether you're making a board game or a card game or an RPG or whatever, um, like. The, the, the thing that I try to do with, with my characters is always that they're like everybody's overpowered the idea that like, you flip through a deck and you're like this guy's just he has way too much he has way too much going on too, too many powers too strong and if you feel that way across the board about everybody that gives kind of gives a good feel of like these are just all like larger than life characters right but like we were talking earlier about like what's uh, what's is Doctor Who a superhero or not and, and Cam says no Doctor Who's not a superhero why not mm-hmm. why not he's a sci-fi protagonist okay <laughs> but sci-fi can be superhero too. Yeah, there's superheroes. Right? Green Lantern. No, there's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you have a point. I mean, like, you, you could say he's a superhero, but I think I don't think he's overpowered so much as he is a Deus Ex Machina in walking around. Yeah. 
yeah. and the real interesting characters in the show are the people who hang out with him. He's like Doc Savage, right? I mean, sure. you, could, you read Doc Savage, you're like, I don't think Doc Savage is uh, going to fail anything. But he's like five people who work with him, four, however many people in his team. And they all like, were good at one thing really well, but Doc Savage is good at all those things. Yeah. You're like, what is the point of you? He's and, the, and the Doc Savage writers, various of them, for it, would go to great lengths to get him out of the story so that yes. you could like put the other five in some sort like, of possible he, danger. But so those things are interesting, whereas in a superhero story, your your power, your field of powers, those are the ones who are like interesting. Those are your main protagonists. Right. Right. That's where, yeah. Right. Well, you know, even then, I mean, how many times does Professor X get bumped on the head so the other X Men can do something? Well, they're still super. You know, I mean, there are there are yeah. still even within the scale, but yes, they are they are still getting. And yeah, and, and then there certainly there are classes of superheroes in terms of like like right. crazy overpowered. And then there's also superhero stories where you you get like you know your gritty street level superheroes type stuff where you have the Punisher and other uh, and Daredevil and characters that aren't necessarily that, that super crazy high power level, and they're still superheroes um, even though they're not they don't fit that overpowered scale. Um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's a key thing for defining it is that they live in a world of superpowers because sure. the Punisher kind of like almost defines himself mm-hmm. as the guy who winds up around these people who doesn't have powers. Right. right. So even then he's defining himself against the thing that does exist out there, that, that the world is full of crazy and powers and monsters and dimensions and magic and all these other things. Um, is I think one of the defining tropes of being a superhero. Story. It's also why one of those things that people like to subvert sometimes. They'll say, right. "Let's do a story or a comic book about what if the real world had superheroes all of a sudden," which mm-hmm. happens over and over and over again. It's a common thing people want to do when they want to try something different. Right. So, like heroes on, t- on TV, for example, was like, "Well, it's our world, but it's also got heroes in it and superheroes." So that that fails to actually be true. Well, for that, but then it becomes that way because if you just the presence of heroes, right? Creates, yeah. You know, Eventually, they build up to it. I mean, almost, almost every one out. of those stories does eventually kind of like go yeah. in that direction. I mean, at the point where you're saying, well, what if people had powers in the real world and you don't have that background, I don't think it's a superhero story yet. Yeah. It may be the beginning of one, but I mean, that's just yeah. a science fiction story. Until yeah. people actually kind of like adopt the, you know, the sense of the universe, yeah. I think you can't even really quite qualify that as a superhero story. Uh, so in the game space, uh, Greg told you the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. We call that a superhero game because it starts with the idea that it's the regular world, uh, it's in the middle of the Vietnam War, and then this one person gets powers and then sort of spread almost pathologically. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that a superhero story only when you get a it, lot of people? It's, I think. I, I think it's you know most people eventually turn it into one. Yes, yeah. but that's not a you know. Well, the, the, the I, I think it's a superhero origin story. Right. Yeah. Right. I, exactly. Like I think it's I think it is I think it is like a, a proto superhero story. It's a trigger event which turns the world to something else. Right. Right. I mean, if if the world did not, if there was one superhero. I mean, this is was lampshaded on the Supergirl TV show just last week um, when they talked about how. Um, Supergirl, who's in uh, National City, I guess that's where she yeah. lives. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, you know, I'm doing these things, everything's failing. And uh, they talked about how Superman, um, Max, Maxwell Lord says this, you know, when Superman arrived, suddenly everything got bad in Metropolis. We started having all these bad superhero villains to arise to, to fight him. So right. the presence of a superhero creates the opposition that turns the world into something else. Yeah. Su- superpowers yeah. are nuclear weapons. Right. Once somebody has them, everybody else has to have them, and then there's the, like it, it's it's an escalation of right. power. There's a, there's lots of stories that begin with one guy gets crazy powers. They yeah. don't all turn into superhero stories. Right. No, that's you know, true. Most of them, many of them, just like stay Batman. science fiction or something. Of, like you know, you know, the thing with Batman is that he's a, he's a normal guy, but you know, in a lot of his stories, it's he's responsible for. 
you know, a lot of the supervillains coming out of the woodwork and being like, oh, wearing a mask is a great idea. But yeah. Let's right. do this with this instead. Well, and they're almost right. all terrible mental illness stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. And he himself is one living mental illness stereotypes. I mean, the, the, the funny thing about that is that it still does that, right? As soon as one person does a thing which is different, the world changes and the trigger event happens. Right. And if that trigger event never happens, then you're just in a different kind of science fiction story, you know? Yeah. When the mule shows up in Foundation, that doesn't change it suddenly into a superhero story because you don't get any additional, you know. He's still only the one guy, so then it goes on to be a, you know, a war story and everything else the Foundation is. So. Um, how much of that though is very Well, I, I think, I mean, I think a lot of stories are, rather than starting with a superhero and then adding supervillains, like the Superman and the, and the story kind of did that, but I think a lot of stories rather start with supervillains and add superheroes, because um, superheroes without supervillains are weird. Um, they're like, I can shoot laser beams from my eyes, and I can fly, and I'm going to stop bank robberies. It's like, okay, good for you. Like, chill. Um, whereas when you have somebody who's like, I have a doomsday device and I'm going to blow up the world and, and I control legions of space monsters or whatever, then you need a, a team must arise to face them. Um, and so I guess, th- and in that, that, that second thing I said there, is narrative convenience, but <coughs> I mean, right. that's <clears throat> right. You say that like it's a bad thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I don't think any superhero stories exist that weren't originally set out to be superheroes. I don't like, I don't think there are superhero stories where somebody's like, I'm going to write this story about normal things, and then they became superhero stories. Like, I mean, you're, you're going towards that. You're trying to write capes and cowls one way or another. Um, and so, so with that sort of intent, you're going to have superpowered individuals facing off against superpowered individuals, and like that's, that's, that is your intent. I'm sorry, uh, but ask, when it comes to unintentional superhero stories... I often hear the old World of Darkness criticized for that. Oh, where, yeah. Where you, mm-hmm. have, you basically gave these, all these people powers, and that's so what are they going to do with them? They're going to have fights with trench coats and katanas on the streets. So yeah. what about stuff like that where you have, I guess, sort of drama bleed, where people go, well, I ha- if, I ha- if I can move super fast and I'm super strong, there's not really a reason for me not to punch that guy through a wall. Sure. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, you know, the, the game mechanics really guide that, so... You know, there was more in this in some of those World of Darkness books about how combat works and all the different guns you can pick up and what damage swords do than you know what you how you can leverage uh, contacts and you know some social obligation yeah some yeah. system of yeah, yeah like favors and whatnot. If you, if you give me a book that has two chapters on combat and one chapter on social interaction, like okay, so this is a two thirds fighting system, right? You know. I think when they called it a storyteller system, but, but that didn't mean that it was actually about like that. I mean, um, that was just a way to, to differentiate from what was presently out there. I mean, every RPG is a storytelling system in some way, right? But if you have mechanics to support it and you make that about the, the focus of it, uh, if it was more about the politics and intrigue between vampire clans and actually made an effort to do that and, and phrased out the whole conflict a little bit, um, you would have had less of that superpower. Right. And and things that are not you know in t- themselves entirely superhero stories can pick up superhero story elements in them. They can like blend into them. 
by the time, you know, Angel was in season three or whatever, yeah. it was at least half a superhero story, right? Yeah. I mean, like, they, so much had been picked up and kind of, like, but crafted like the, on around it. And I would say you know. Buffy was from the beginning. Yeah. But, right. but, but then, like, you look at, like, the Underworld movies, and I, I don't think anybody would consider the Underworld movies superhero movies. Right. But they're full no. of superpowered individuals facing off in titanic yeah. contests. So. Right. Well, because it's missing all of the other tropes that go with right. superhero. And, and it just, has the, you know, the horror tropes. Su- superpowered yeah. people beating up on each other does not by itself a superhero story make, exactly. but it's an element of it that's kind of, you know, key to defining it. And I think you can. I mean, there's a thing that we were talking about very early on. I think you absolutely can have a superhero story that does not involve violence. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It only works for the most part. It, it, it largely works if there. It, it is within the idea of these people are all really good at violence, mm-hmm. and this one story that we're telling doesn't happen to involve sure. that violence. Sure. We have, we're doing a story where hey, there is. I mean, oh my god, so many X Men comics, so many X Men comics, especially out of the '90s, are just soap operas, and I like that. Mm-hmm. But it's the thing that happens where you have an issue where it's like, oh no, but actually I love you, but oh no, what's happening? And now we're gonna play baseball, and like maybe no fighting really happens in the course of that thing. But the context is aware, you're aware the entire time that. that's that guy with the claws coming out of his hands, and that guy that shoots laser beams out of his eyes, are really good at violence, and we're happening to we and, happen and, to be telling violence. Set in a universe, uh, in a universe, in a, in a <laughs> storytelling universe, where the fundamental way that conflicts get resolved is punching each other in the face. Yep, right. So now it's an interesting twist that nobody got their face punched this right. time. Well, right. it, which I mean, which is why we see so many stories about heroes fighting heroes because these people are keyed for violence. So, like, right. if Cam and I disagree, we're going to argue about a thing. But if Cam had laser beam eyeballs and I had claw fists, we might disagree in a different way. Right, yeah. Especially if there's a great thing that you know. yeah. Right, right. It's, right. A, it's a rule of the universe, basically. Because, yeah, if even if Cam had laser eyes and you had cloth fists, and you just started brawling over everything that you come up with, the rest of us would kind of just stare at you for a bit. Yeah, yeah. We, I, yeah. we wouldn't keep friends very long. Right. Yeah. Not only that, but, like, you know, there's violence, the comic book violence of, like, we can hit each other, but we'll be fine in the next issue. Like, right, yeah. We yeah. get to beat up on... But like somebody hitting somebody with claws, you know, like just dead. Uh, yeah, I mean, turns just, out they just bleed to death <laughs> right. after an infection, right? Another so. feature of superhero universes is that like dementia pugilistica doesn't have it doesn't exist, yeah, right. right? Like you just get knocked out, but then you're just fine. So to there are two there are two movies superhero movies that I that I liked because I don't know if they qualify as superhero movies, right? Uh, two of my, my favorites. One of them is Chronicle, which I don't know if you've all seen that one, yes. where those three kids get weird powers. That is amazing as a deconstruction of what happens when people just get powers and have no one to stop them. There's no supervillains in there except one of them is one, right? Right. Uh, so the three of it's an origin story for three characters. There's nobody else in the world that you can tell who's a superhero or has superpowers. And the second one is, uh, um, oh man, the Will Smith movie. Um, Hancock. Hancock, which I just love that movie. Because it starts out, you think this is going to be a goofy movie about a guy who's got superpowers and he's just a homeless dude and he's not. And then it becomes something completely different when you yeah, find right. what's going the on. Right, halfway through twist. Is and that was yeah. amazing. And that the, the thing with Hancock was, I went to see it because the trailer made it out that way. To be a comedy. It's a superhero comedy. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think it was. Think it, was like, it was funny, but it wasn't a superhero comedy. Well, it, no. it, set you up, it set you up in the same way that like Audition does as a horror movie. Right? Yes. Like It pretends to be something else to get you into a certain head state right. for when the twist hits you. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know? I, I'm almost so. thinking that Krampus, that movie coming out soon, is going to be the same oh, thing. Oh, man. Because you're like, oh, all these comedy actors, that's going to be funny about Christmas and it's not really. I don't know. The trailer didn't look very funny to me. No, it looked horrifying. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I think they gave it away, right? I think. <laughs> but the twist is it's a comedy, actually. Right. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I, I mean, it's on a banana peel. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, new panel. We're going to talk about Kramer's for the next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I think like Hancock and, and Chronicle are both good, are good examples of where you have worlds where I don't believe that there was any implicit uh, other people with powers, right. and yet 
I don't even know if that came, became superhero stories. But did they or were they not? I don't know. I mean, I think they were, su- they were, they were if nothing else, superhero origin stories. The, the character, they might not be superhero movies, but the characters in them were super-powered. Yeah. They were, yeah. They were super- I, I think you got it right at the beginning. They're both deconstructions of yes. it, and therefore as a deconstruction doesn't necessarily contain all of the elements, but it's clearly commenting yeah. on the elements as we understand yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, Watchmen, right? we, Watchmen does the same thing, right. but in a, a different way. Right. right. But you have, to, you have to know, or kind of like subconsciously at least know, what a superhero story is supposed to go like so that you can understand yep. where the commentary comes from. Yeah, I've, I've so. had some friends who are like, oh, I've heard great things about comics and I've heard great things about Watchmen. I've never read any comic books before. Should I start with Watchmen? I'm like, oh, no, you, oh, should, oh, oh. you should like get to know comics and then right. read Watchmen. Because it's true, you could read Watchmen and it's, it's a fine story. But with an understanding of like comic book tropes, then you're like, oh, man, I see what Watchmen's doing here. Right. Okay, so I think we all, as a room, roughly agree on like what is a superhero, what is a superhero story, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do so? What's what's the deal with superheroes and games? Like, a why do a lot of superhero games just get kind of ignored? Like, superhero games it's a it's a it's a niche within the industry for some reason. Like, um, generic fantasy guy, totally like everybody is into generic fantasy guy games. Um, and um, like, am I ever <laughs> gonna like except for the people up here? But right, yeah. right, but, but, like, but like in terms of like what is what is a game that's going to be like widely accepted across the industry? Sure. You make a generic fantasy combat dungeon, whatever game, and like th- that's that's not a niche game in the industry. A right. superhero game where you have instead of generic fantasy guy, you have super strong guy with a cape. That is a niche game in the industry. Yes. And why? Like, why is that? I please, think. Please tell well, me. I think <laughs> fantasy games, in a lot of ways, like you were saying, borrow a lot of those tropes, but also in a way that, um, like, a lot of the context is already kind of defined, right? Like, you already know, like, okay, there's monsters out there, and you fight them, and, and that kind of thing, where, you know, the superhero games, like, there, there are such, um, like, the two big superhero universe, universes are such in people's heads right. that it's hard right. to, you know, like, carve out something like that and not just kind of bleed everything together. Sure, but, so, but I mean, even... Even like the Marvel heroic role playing games are fine. You got Marvel, so you have one of the big properties, um, but it's still a niche game in the industry. I don't. Like, well, I kind of, I, I slightly disagree with the premise. It's not that I disagree. It's oh. just that I'm like, well, when you take fantasy off the list, we're all niches, yeah. right? I don't mm-hmm. think superheroes sure. are more niche than horror okay. or are more niche than pulp. I think or, sci-fi you know, I mean, even I think fails to, to grab people. I mean, there's yeah. no no one can say the yeah. generic sci-fi game is X because even Traveler wasn't a generic sci-fi game. It had its own. Yeah. Rules for how sci-fi worked, right? Right. Yeah. There's nothing like D and D for other genres. But D and D isn't a generic game either. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. So, no. It's, so it's well, it's defined what the genre is. Yes. Right? I mean, D&D, yeah. D&D, but I mean, like I think that I think that's thing the itself. thing is that the the entry drug right. into role playing is D and D. Yeah. And it is fantasy. So right. so many people have it in their mind that that's what role playing. Is right, and that's why everything and that's, else you know, is to almost to a certain extent, that at least partly an accident of history, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I think, one, I so think that's you know. the Michael Jordan syndrome. Yeah, what, um, it's Watchmen, right? It's like if superheroes weren't existed, then everybody would read pirate comics kind right. of thing. If D and D hadn't existed, maybe would, superheroes would be cowboys. dominant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Well, one of the things I think to tie this back into the beginning discussion we had for the last fifteen minutes is superhero genre eats other genres. Yes, right. what it does, and so. To say you have a superhero game, everyone had, then has to ask, well, what kind of superhero right, game? Right, right. In a way that people don't have to ask. Exactly. Well, and science fiction falls into exactly that same yeah. track. That, that was, you know, George McDonald's original point with Champions for it, that in order to make a, a great superhero game, you had to make a great generic game. 
Right, because superheroes can go anywhere and do anything, and they've got robots, and they've got pirates, and they've got wizards, and they've got all these other things can show up in a superhero story. Right. So in order, if for your superhero game to be successful, it needs to pretty much model almost any other kind of story right. to concept to be functional as, as a game. And then what, um, um, uh, to tie in with uh, the marketing angle, or the, you know, the intention-grabbing angle, is you have to do extra work because yes, absolutely. Know, to get people to understand what the heck you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why, why I think Masks' campaign has been so brilliant for it. Of like right. so hitting so hard, so specifically on the concept of like the teenage superhero, right. you know, like carving out their own place and having their mentors and having all the other stuff, you know, like part of it. Um, and yeah, hitting that and exp- explaining it so well, I think that's one of the reasons that it was such a smash Kickstarter success. Yeah. So. In the back. It's arguable that even though there isn't one specific superhero game that's validated on PC, there is an approach that is kind of seen as the standard traditional, and that's the intense detail modeling of a power set. Mm-hmm. That's their fault, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Once again, to a certain extent, after accident of history, we were around yeah. first. So, yeah. you know, it's... Um, sorry, I, I think that so the, the the reason that I brought up the so this is like the, the fantasy game is kind of like the, the superhero is a niche as opposed to fantasy and is I, and, and the, this is because I think that fantasy games are you're in a completely different world and there's monsters and everything like that whereas superhero games even though like we talked about at the beginning you're in a different world the world has changed it looks more like our world mm-hmm. it it is it is more recognizable as oh well superheroes are flying around cities and they're dealing with stuff that that we see all the time and so it is both closer to what we uh, we recognize as home but also a really different sort of situation whereas fantasy you say oh they live in the land of Bingham and Daflam and they have they see these geese coming down the street every day and and they have all these different sort of things it's completely different whereas with superheroes it's like no they live in Chicago um, and they fight crime. We know what crime is. We don't know what big loftums are, but we know what crime is. Well, often um, so what they, they don't live in Chicago. They live in Central City or they live in uh, you sure, know, right. Keystone. Sure, I mean, um, but, but, those city, but those cities are recognizable. Are, very, are right. certainly recognizable with elements of... Yeah, obviously. Whereas none of us have ever lived in a town with a castle. Well, that's true. I have. Mm, I'm from New Zealand. We have castles <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> 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 but not demon infested castles. Right, no, I was going to no. say, do you get to just wander around it with sheep. a sword, just hacking it? Because <laughs> New Zealand's starting to sound more awesome we're than actually, me, actually. actually, we have to kill those ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're the mutant ones. <laughs> and I think the, the problem that we have with um, superhero uh, games is that um, unless you attach it to a license, sometimes people don't want to bother because they're like, well, you know. But then the, the, the converse problem happens when you give them that game. And they're like, well, it's great that you've given me all these stats for Wolverine and Cyclops and and uh, Iron Man and, and Thor but I don't want to play those guys I want to play my own guy mm-hmm. and you're like well what's the guy like well he's cool and like sort of a loner and his claws and savage <laughs> and <laughs> like, so Wolverine like no no no, no he's the badger totally he's the other guy you know he's or he's 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 kind of the incarnation of this god uh, on the earth and he uh, strikes his weapon and turns into the sure no, yeah but the thing that I found that when I was doing it with Marvel was that the people told me they wanted to do these things and I said you could just play these guys but what they ended up being uh, worried about was that they didn't feel they had ownership over the character to make changes right. to the world and change the character right. even though every single freaking writer from Marvel at DC ever <laughs> has done that yep. when they take over the book yep. it's intimidating to take on Wolverine in a game because you're afraid somebody else at the table is going to have like more Wolverine lore than right. you yeah, got like, right? like, 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 you wouldn't do this thing remember back in issue 42 when he did this right, right because right. the people at the table are being the reader of the comic book right. that, that you know say uh uh, 
Jason Aaron takes on you know Wolverine. And they're like, yeah, well, I, I think you've forgotten all about that one time in issue seventeen when this happens. And right. he's like, uh, my editors are going to skim out all that mail. I don't give a crap about you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that both of you are describing different aspects of the Uncanny Valley effect. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And that's and and once again, that's not restricted to superheroes, superheroes either. For it, I mean, how many people in a fantasy game are basically playing? You know, label filed off Conan or Elric or Gandalf or, or whatever. Who. I mean, or, yeah. uh, or Doctor Who, right? And they run into to canon things too when they're playing in like Forgotten Realms, and you have the players like, I just want to be able to go over to this cool city I read about, and other people are like, Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't just go there. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Don't you know about the magical spell epidemic of 1372? Yeah, but but that but that was actually later changed in those later books. Oh, retcons are stupid. Well, I don't. I, I personally <laughs> don't describe anything that one author wrote. Anything that author wrote doesn't count. They didn't really understand the realm. Yes. Right. Well, anyway, which is another problem the license product is that different people have different understandings of what the setting... Right. Like, if you talk about X-Men, what period of X-Men? What... Right. And what, what's the current origin of... Yeah. What's, what's the current origin and what's their current purpose within the universe? Yes. Right. What is it the X-Men yeah. are doing... Yeah. At any given time, is right. not even I had a conversation so. with the people at Marvel when I was working on the game, and, and uh, I said um, well, the reason why they did not want at the time they may change their minds. They always do because different people show up and are in charge of things at different times. They did not want a generic book about the Avengers. They did not want a generic <laughs> roster book about any team or anything because they felt that no character was uh, existed without the context of the story that they were in. Right? They did not want me to do a, a, some stats for Spider Man without rooting him in some kind of story or event or time period. So there's no generic Spider-Man, even though he's still other um, uh, lunchboxes and on uh, T-shirts right, and right. things. For a published thing, which is licensed tie-in to things, we had to have breakout in the basic game. So all the heroes we put in there were at that point just when Bendis t- took over uh, Avengers and when Spider-Man was doing this and this and this. So Civil War and uh, uh, the other ones we were going to put out, all the characters had to be as they were at that time. There was no allowance for us to just say, I don't I want to do these things. I want to do a big book about Avengers. You're going to do classic Spider-Man? Or there was classic no, there's no classic. I mean, yeah. unless you made everybody at that point when uh, Stan Lee and Zedko did it, or everyone in John Byrne's uh, Fantastic Four era, was, you had to make them stuck. Uh, and that was a, a specific kind of uh, restriction that we had that overrides your problem in a way, right? right. Yeah. Because right. it says, um, well, which era? The one we tell you to do it. So yeah. put the story out there and then put the characters in it. But that yeah. means when you sit down and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to play you know, this this classic Avengers versus Doctor Doom story. It's like, well, yeah, you're going to have to do some tweaking to make that work or whatever. Right. Yeah. Or get the you know, 1965 source book. Had, had they been able to make you know, right. every book in the line that theoretically could need. Um, DC, I think, did almost the opposite with the, the Mutants of Masterminds yeah. well, the DC book. Where they were like, through, they we only want the most... Everything. Yeah, but we only want the most generic common elements yeah. that are, you know, like when, you, when you're statting up Superman, put in the things that everybody knows is Superman and yeah. take out anything that is, like, specific yeah. to yeah. a specific era. Or and they did New 52 in the middle of it anyway. Yeah. Right, and, and then, then <laughs> had an editorial change halfway through, so, yeah. Right. So. Uh, which do you, as a designer, so assuming you're going to get one working place of property, they're going to tell you either rooted in the stories we want from, like, this era, or, yeah. or make clear which stories they're connected to, or just do the sort of ideal version of the character, which do you as designers prefer if you have to do one or the other? Uh, I will let the other three answer first. 
<laughs> well, I'm I'm a I'm a you know professional hack. So the first answer is what they want me to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's I'm, I'm working with the license. I'm working with the people who own the property. I show a certain amount of respect to that ownership. Right. So if the question is what would I choose to do, I generally, you know, Doctor Who and a couple of other things aside, for it, don't choose to work with licensed characters specifically because of those restrictions. The Champions universe is full of characters who are kind of like you know characters, and you can get what you want out of them, but you don't have that level of restriction. No point, I mean, I'm the final arbiter of what happened in the Champions universe, so I get to, you know, go anywhere I want with the story and, and not face those restrictions. Let's say, ideally, where somebody comes at one of the big two, and right. a big role-playing game, like, hey, I got the guy that did, did all this hero and champion stuff. Which approach do you think we should take? Like, I, For my personal taste of limited to only those two, I would think I would do it the DCU way. The, the, because because it's, I want these characters to be recognizable and as broadly useful as possible. right? So I would include the elements that everybody recognizes as part of the character. I would include the powers that they've always had. You know, if I'm doing a, writing up Superman, I do include Lois and Perry or whatever, until such time as I feel like the modern one has kind of taken that over in the public you know, eye. I still think the vast majority of Superman fans or people who want to use Superman in the story are still, Lois is still the girl, right? I mean, that's still, you know, part of the element. So I, I would put in that, but I would try to make it as flexible as possible so that people could modify it to what they wanted. If what you really, you know, if you're 14 and all you know is New 52 Superman, you know, for then I want you to be able to use what I've written with the minimum amount of extra work to make it the Superman that you want and, and know. Now, Darren, yes. I know you and I have discussed the idea that we're now in the cinematic yes, right. age exactly, where right. the movie versions of characters is yeah. what defines is them. what defines them, right. So shouldn't the Superman in that case be based, say, on Man of Steel? To a certain extent, yes. Yeah, that, yeah, certainly, I would that would be a very you know serious consideration in what I was doing. Yeah, and I think the man of, for the most part, the Man of Steel Superman is is, is that kind of like generic baseline character, the high concept, like, the high concept character. Yeah. Right. Mark, would you have a point? Well, well, I was just going to point out that it seems that the two different approaches you describe are emblematic of what those two companies um, how they approach their licensed products in general. Yeah, exactly. Is, right. Marvel is all about continuity and trying to use things to, 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 to draw their synthesis, even integrating their TV universe and their, their, their cinematic universe, and, yep. and, and right. now collapsing their ultimate universe in the main universe, right? and DC is all about, we have these iconic things, and now we're going to make this iteration, and the Flash TV show is not going to be the Flash movie, it's not going to be the Flash comic yeah. book, but they're all the Flash. Because right. they, are, they are basically Greek gods, and Marvel is not. Yeah. Right. Yes. Mar Mar yeah. Marvel is like character storyline based, and DC right. is like yeah. icon based. Yeah. So Mar Mar Marvel has been a reaction to DC right. for fifty some odd years, yeah. and they're you know it's worked yeah. just and fine, and they see no reason to change that now. So. Yeah. My, my answer actually to you, uh, by the way, without the question of whether um, I would which one I would do, I would still go the Marvel way. I think, <coughs> I think that's always been how Marvel's done it. Even the Marvel uh, superheroes game did, whichever was the current versions of them was always the one they used. Right. Um, the reason why I love the way that we doing it with uh, Christopher's game is that we're going to make sure that we put them at a certain point, uh, the characters. There, uh, there's a certain point in the story, and that is, like, because we were talking about this actually pretty early on, it's like, where does this book land? And, like, yeah, you can play them wherever, but where does this book land in the Sentinels of the Multiverse continuity timeline? And then 
like later if we if there's a lot of interest and we can make a, a, a source book or at least a PDF or something for you know, like playing them in the in, in, in you know the Silver Age or playing them in the Sentinel Tactics timeline or whatever. But um, having a specific point in time that we can say, okay, this is a snapshot of these characters as they are at the height of their power or whatever. So yeah, and part of that is actually convenience for me. I like to have an actual keystone reference point and say, well, I know what the powers are going to be. If I can ignore the fact that Iron Man used to have a nose on his face, you know, I don't. I don't need any roller skates. I don't need that. I, I will. I will define him as the as people know him at the time. Iron Man still has roller skates today. He just doesn't bust them out that often. They're in there. Oh, they're totally. If he needed them, he pop them out. I wish he had the briefcase still. That was cool. That was cool. Yeah. At one point, his mask was like rubber. He put it over his face and he made it go hard and stuff. And right. I just think the whole thing was crappy. <laughs> you know, any other questions we have about? Uh, actually, you touched on this about characters changing over time. Um, so one of the things that exists in the games that almost never exists in uh, the big stories is the expectation of advancement. Mm-hmm. That the character is just going to keep getting more and more powerful over time. Uh, and that's always sit a little odd Steely's part of the game. So, yeah. Right. The, the, it, for me, superheroes don't level up, but they do have character advancement. Um, if you've been paying attention at all to like X-Men comics in the last few years, there was the whole big thing where the, the several different, five different X-Men got the Phoenix Force split among them, and then those five X-Men now um, are, have, are having power fluctuation things, where Cyclops' beams are like... And, and uh, um, Colossus, instead of being turning to metal, he has just kind of like patches of metal roaming across his flesh at all He's times. He's fine now, though, at the end. See, there you go. But so there is character progression, but there is not necessarily leveling. Every That's time a character changes, get the powers, but then we'll lose them again. Well, right. I, see, the way well, I, I think it's... Like, like Quicksilver lost his powers and then gained super speed back from the Terrigen Mist, but it's actually by like slowing time around I, him I, instead of speeding himself up. And now he's I think a lot of them, in their, from their, you know, they, they, they hit a point of stasis, yes. right? I mean, obviously, the Fantastic Four in Fantastic Four number one in 1962 are way less powerful, right. way less skilled, or whatever, than kind of like what became... You know, kind of like the level they plateaued at, right? right? So you do have character advancement in power level and that sort of thing early in most characters' careers. Yeah. Once they hit the point that's kind of like satisfying for the writer for it, and I, I, Champions does, you know, kind of that, that gives you the options for it, um, the character advancement comes with rather than necessarily adding dice, but then you add lots of contacts and you add, you know, some more skills and hey, we got a new cool thing for our base. And we got a cool new vehicle or whatever. I mean, like those those can be character advancements as well, even if you have kind of like hit what is clearly the Fantastic Four clearly hit their campaign limit yes. of like powers that from their GM somewhere about like 1968, right? And then ever since then, oh, we have like the odd thing that spins off, but everything else, all their experience points have gone into the Baxter Building and the Fantastic. I actually think that John and the Negative Zone and the John Byrne era was when it solidified it. Like John yeah, Byrne, maybe right. John Byrne made her Invisible Woman. John Byrne made right, right. Uh, these characters, and it worked for well, that, that, that was John noticing that she was still built on a lot fewer points. Than yes, yeah. <laughs> she, she kind of like got a like. She oh, hadn't spent. She had a whole bunch she, of unspent. She had a whole bunch experience. of unspent experience points. Right. Apparently, we've been screwing you over for twenty years. And you can go ahead and catch up with everybody else. So her player yeah. went off to university and came back and, and realized right. that she'd been an NPC the whole time for that. Three years and right. say, what the hell's going on? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And what is this girl bullshit? Actually, yeah. um, so. with, with Marvel, what happened was that uh, I watched what they did in the comics for advancement. I realized that 
uh, when the, when the big event, you would have this huge thing happen, and uh, the writer of the, whatever storyline that was happening, it wasn't just events, it was always like you know, six, six issue stories or 12 issue stories, uh, would do something funky to Spider-Man, like, you know what, it turns out you're a totem avatar of a spider, yeah. or it turns out <laughs> uh, right, you will die and come back as with the, whatever. Uh, Iron Man gets the best suit in the absolute universe, he's never had a suit as good as this one, it does all these things, and then at the end of this story, when they change writers, the new writer comes on and goes, you know what, I like this part of that, but this is BS, and I'm going to ignore this, and also classic Spidey, classic Iron Man, classic whatever. And so to reflect that, you would grow as a character, you'd add things, you would unlock new abilities, and you might get more things, you'd shift your headquarters, you'd get more fans and things. And at the end of the event, you'd say, okay, well, we're done running that one, uh, we're going to do uh, something else next week. Do you want to keep saying characters, guys? And they're like, uh, sure. Well, okay, rewrite the character sheet to keep the stuff you thought was good that happened, and then the rest of it we'll ignore. And the reason that happens is there was mm-hmm. no point by in the game, right? Right. You made a character however the character was supposed to look. If you wanted to make Thor, you made Thor. If you want to make Wasp, you made Wasp. Um, and so any changes weren't really reflected in any kind of point balance system. Right. And so it was just like, if you want to be Spider, you want to keep organic web shooters? Great. Throw out those weird-ass things, talons that... No, you don't want that. Do you want to have poison bite in your mouth? No. So... So often, Spider-Man reverts to his classic format because the writer has changed. Yeah. It, he almost never does that before that happens, though. <laughs> Someone was like, and that was my story, thanks, I'm out. You know, and then the well, new guy comes part, part of it is because it's a game as well, right? I mean, there's, yeah. you know, there's, there's in, in games, you know, story games frequently kind of bend this for it, but certainly within any kind of, like, point-by tactical <coughs> combat, you know, like the, the, the more traditional crunchy super games, there is an assumption that everybody at the table is playing with the same number of points that it's a fair game and everybody has it. The Avengers aren't fair. No. You know, Thor and Hawkeye are not built on the same number of points. That's kind of the point of Hawkeye. That's well, why he, Hawkeye's awesome. He talks about it all the time. So. Right. <laughs> right. But clearly, the character okay, of Hawkeye with all of like the <laughs> yes. cool extra stuff and in there for it, if, you're, if your point-by system is valuing those points right and is valuing the various ways in which Hawkeye is awesome correctly, then they probably are built on the same number of points, right? But they're not reflected in the power level. Right. So there's a you know that there's there's gainist stuff that like happens at the table that is always that that you have to kind of like if you're trying to model a genre you always have to kind of sometimes it's a real stretch though especially with champions. Should right. I'm just gonna say I mean chaining off of all of this is that they don't necessarily get more powerful but they can do it smarter right. Yep. Even even the guys who <coughs> were born this way that they're naturally superpowered. <laughs> They may understand like sort of the extent of sort of what they can do, but they don't necessarily know how to use it as effectively. Sure. They don't necessarily know how to use it as a team as well. Right, you know, and that's so what I'm saying. Just, so yeah. a good point by system should account for that, right? Well, those, well, doing all the, those things should be worth points too. It's the player learning the rules of the game better. Yeah, also true. But right. and it's also like in a in a comic book it can be a real breakthrough moment, like, oh I figured out how to use my powers to do this thing. In a game it's like well, if I can just create a force bubble in their throat every time, I'm a gamer. I'm going to do that mm-hmm. as much as I'm allowed. You know, right. it's no longer like a big revelation. It's just and this, and this is the <clears> thing that actually we talked about um, early on with the Sentinel Comics RPG was if so, it feels bad in a superhero game if you have the ability to shoot lightning bolts and you're like, oh man, I can shoot lightning bolts. So what I'm gonna do every time I get every time I get into combat, I'm gonna find my target. And I'm gonna shoot the lightning bolt at it. All right. Oh, new combat. Lightning bolt. Lightning bolts. Lightning bolts. <laughs> That's the thing I do, and that feels bad in a superhero game, mm-hmm. whereas it doesn't feel bad in D&D if you're like, I'm a guy, and I have a big sword, and I swing this sword, and I roll a d12, and I roll the sword because it's special, and every time I see a bad guy, d12 sword, d12 sword, <laughs> d12 sword. There's nothing wrong with that in D&D, but that's, that's terrible. 
terrible at superhero RPGs for like some any, reason. I don't like any D&D either, but... Sure, but, like, know, but it is more accepted. It is more accepted. But you have no choice. So maybe in games we should move away from the idea of advancing the characters just because we see it in other role planes and instead of calling them advancement points, what if they were adjustment points? That every so often you can change your character using the points to, to yeah. reflect them as something different, but then later on when you get new points, well, growth you can not necessarily cover that too. Yeah. I, I like I like growth and I like character progression because right. character progression talks more and less about the power and more about the person. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. right. And they might not have you know Spider Man might not have the six arms anymore, but it's not written out of existence. It's like no. this was still happened. a thing you went through, and you learn. And he occasionally it. makes a joke about like this isn't as bad as when I had six arms, you know. And, <laughs> and the experience with that is taught him some new trick that he can still use when he has two arms. Yeah, right. just avoid right. things that make you have six arms. <laughs> <laughs> it's just six arms bad. What else we got? So, um, as someone pointed out, some issues are about punching people in the face. Yeah. Some issues are about uh, superheroic soap opera, where you travel line with the I mean, I, I guess... How, how, do you, how do you support... How will we do that? I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Which stuff? Um, I guess that um, that depends a lot on your gaming group. It depends a lot on your GM, what kind of story you want to tell. Some gaming groups are like, if you do not give me something to punch every week, I am out. Um, or with other people, you can say, "Hey, you've got this like whole situation going on here where you need to figure out like you need to, you need to figure out the drama aspect or, or even like a puzzly aspect of it." And um, and I, I guess the important thing a game should give um, the GM uh, tools to do those different things, but then ultimately it's up to the, the, the GM and the players because um, the GM can uh, construct. So many times I've constructed elaborate things to put my players through, and they get to it, and they're like, oh, no, that looks dumb. Go this way instead. It's like, okay, throw out those notes, and I guess we're just going to bring up the random encounter type. I mean, I, I, I love the idea that you could have those episodes. When I mean, it's like, you do a whole a sort of Brian Michael Bennett's decompression storyline where nothing is happening except them talking with low, lots of things. And if you have, like, you know, three players show up one night, and the other three are not there or something, so it's a small story where um, what a breathing dude and a telepathy girl uh, go out on the, 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 for a date. Uh, but while they're out there, instead of having a superhero attack, they realize that the whole time what a breathing dude was actually an alien, and let's discuss that problem. Right, well, well, Marvel World Roleplay supports that with the refresh scenes. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. the and transition scenes are all about that. Yeah, and, and supports that with uh, certain things on uh, that hierarchy of uh, milestones, right? Yep. Right, and Champions uh, supports that with uh, dependent non-player characters. Yeah, complications in general are right for that, basically, right? Right, and I'd like to hear about what your guys' games do to support that uh, non-fighty aspect. Well, I mean, everybody has their same systems of being able to, to... Because everything that happens in the Sentinel Comics RPG is created by rolling a pool of three dice. You can use... Uh, um, you, you create a pool of three dice from your powers, qualities, and status. And y- your status is based on your stress level. And your stress level doesn't necessarily have to be damage. Like, there are things that are going to increase your stress or decrease your stress level um, based on situations. And so anything you want to do, be it... I am gonna fight this guy, or I am gonna figure out how to how to not mess this evening up. Like is going to is gonna come from that sort of dice pool. So you would I would I would I would create challenges based on um, not that would not look like combat, but that uh, that would not feel like combat, but it would it would use a similar like creating a dice pool to do a thing. Did we decide that uh, if you don't use a power for some reason that it's a d six? 
default. Uh, D4. D4? D4 defaults for everything. So the, yeah. the first Marvel game, but the base the game Marvel right. for it, was the first game I ever encountered that had mechanical support for that kind of storytelling or that, that like insisted on it right? right because I mean like every you know if you didn't make your date with your girlfriend you lost karma yeah. Yeah. right yeah. there was an actual you know like mechanic in the game of like you were standing in doing yeah. non-punchy things it was right? so and I, I was you know 12 when I saw that and it blew my mind and this is amazing yeah the problem yeah. was that the Punisher and Wolverine were no longer viable as characters because they couldn't do what they do yes but I, yeah, I'm not saying it was perfect but I'm saying the, the, the game itself oh, like, it, it was a superhero oh, game right. that you know introduced <laughs> me to that idea of like mechanical support for your storytelling genre beats yeah if Aunt May's Absolutely. you know we, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, left Aunt May's yeah. stranded or whatever kind of thing then we were all screwed so we had to be you know I think the rewards morality. built in also go towards that you know we have a thing like this in Sentinels and you know Marvel did many others where it's like you're like you know D&D you're getting experience points for beating monsters in combat and that's you know the, the primary thing the way that you get it Whereas uh, superhero games will often be like, well, actually, when you like when Spider-Man makes a joke, you get experience. You know, it's stuff that um, isn't related to the the combat side of it, the like succeeding at the actual mission. It's the the relationship between these characters, or yeah. you know, doing things that this character would do, and you know, you're incentivizing the players because they get XP or, or right. whatever. I think in some ways there, there, there are occasions probably going to be with Sentinel comics where um, you've got these principles that your character embodies, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, Unity has a principle of the intern, for example, right? And so those not only have combat uh, or conflict or in action sort of uh, applications, but also tell you ways in which you will, uh, you know, act outside of those things. And uh, I think a lot of play will end up being emergent between those sorts of uh, scenes where we have a big fight and then we say, let's go to the to the headquarters afterwards. And Unity is complaining that she's not a full team member yet. And I really want to be one. And let's talk that out. And you can have a whole scene where you play that out. But I think um, it may be that right now it's a lot more focused on action and less on that sort of thing. I mean, with Marvel, I, I deliberately did the action scenes and transition scenes because transition scenes were just those pages of the comic where Reed Richards builds his device. Or um, uh, Matt Murdock is in the, law, the, the legal thing, just doing something that's not really actually active. Right. Um, and right. those were the scenes where you got recovery, and those are the scenes where you built and made things and got resources for the next action scene. It's it's kind of interesting as a you know history of role playing uh, and and the culture and uh, of play and that sort of thing. That now it seems really obvious to us that we should reward yeah. in genre behavior. We should reward, you know, that kind of like character development. And yet the first game that actually put that in there punished you for not doing it. Yes. Right. That's the other way around. It's like <laughs> this is the stick that you you will behave like Spider Man or I will continue to hit you with the stick until you do. And yet in nineteen eighty two that seemed like a reasonable way to play a game. That was just like, oh totally. Yes you should beat me because I'm doing this wrong, you know? And that we have, you know, no player today in any game. Well they might do it kind of ironically actually and find that funny, but apart from that it's no, no serious game system. Let's do it with this game. Would do it, with yeah. right? Would do it with I, I think we should stick punch rather people than for for everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. You personally, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. So Come to your house when you when you buy the game. You send me your address. <laughs> Page twenty-seven. If you do not do this, come to your house and beat you with a stick. The heroes will do this next, or else. Right. Yeah. Le you know, legacy will be inspiring or will come to your house and beat your cat. The legacy right. player needs to make a speech about America every game or, <laughs> or you have to throw your game away. Yeah. Right, yeah. 
exactly. Buy a new one. My game there's a, there's a chip in the game yeah, that yeah. tells whether you're doing it. Are you doing the American speech? No, I didn't hear an American speech. What's up in the flames? It's a little fireworks. So I gotta go buy another one now. God damn that chip. I bought like eight copies. You're gonna sell so many copies? More sales. This is a good idea. Because I got into games to make money. I was like, it's lucrative. With American chips. RPGs make the most money of anything. Yes. <laughs> Lucrative. No, but it's a very, very valid point, right? I think in, uh, it's part of our discussion about how to expand that uh, into the, the game is going to really hinge upon how the game currently works and why we yep. can do it that way. Yep. So well, those, those elements exist even in action scenes, too, a lot of times. You, know, yep. you, got, you, you, can't, you can't walk up to a bomb and punch it, usually. <laughs> Sometimes, well, when sometimes <laughs> some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. There are times right. when when the thing is fighting a, a bad guy in a comic book. Then it's not really about the thing fighting him. It's about what the thing's going through, and they're right. having a exactly. conversation. Sure. And that's why we have like the, that stress level of like that doesn't necessarily mean that's where I got hitched, but like this is what's going on in the scene. Right. And there's even precedent like in the comics world of like you know the, the drama of like is Peter going to make it to his date with Mary Jane you know, before yeah. she breaks up with him? I mean, the, you know, the, these. These things exist. It's just the the GM has to be prescient enough. To right. Even if players don't want to have the role play out the scene with Mary Jane because the GM is playing Mary Jane, I think it's kind of awkward. <laughs> <laughs> the, even that, hey, Peter. You can have that. <laughs> right. You can say anyway. So after the date, the Rhino breaks out of prison, but you still lead up to it, and you still have that being a major part of his inspiration and his influence. Right. right. That's really important. Otherwise, he's not grounded in anything. He's just showing up to the next scene. Yeah. But here's my mini of Spider-Man. It's just like hero clicks, right? Right, right. right. And it's not what we. And want to presumably, do. I mean, it's particularly using the champions as an example for it, though that complications list was written by the player, right? So presumably, that's a note to the GM of what it is I do want to do with it, right? So if I've written down on my character sheet, you know, troublesome relationship with Mary Jane, that's you know, as a as a complication for this, I'm telling the GM that I want that to be part of the story. Right. I want to have this. Four hundred hunters. Well, yeah. th- you know, then that's okay. Because of my killing attack, energy beam that destroys the universe. That's, yes. <laughs> right, and I have a stick to beat you with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, which means that those four hundred... Those four hundred hundreds, yeah, then all of your, you know, problems are, you know, people from your past and whatever coming right. in to fuck with you. That's Me okay. Again. Killing attack. Damn. Oh, right. right. <laughs> and you keep replacing them with the hunteds who are pissed off that you yes. killed the last hunted. So yeah. <laughs> now you're hunted by the police, and so that's Question. still a story. Yeah. And um, something that hasn't yet found a system that models well is that most superhero fights in the comics are about facing a bad guy, not being able to beat him because you've got some defense, and then clevering around that defense somehow. Mm-hmm. And most games that I've encountered are just about hitting them until they're out of defense, mm-hmm. or some variation of that. And it's, I haven't seen anything that really gets that mechanic. Did you of, read Marvel? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that's actually how the Marvel Heroic one also does it. I mean, publications are how you get around the people having immunity to uh, a weapon or attack or something. You have to create a thing which hinders them or gets them out of the way. I mean, my best example was how uh, Spider-Man beat Juggernaut, and he led him into a concrete cement place, and he sunk into the ground. That was all something you could replicate in, in the Heroic role plan because I had to do that, right? Um Someone said, "How did how did uh, uh, Spider-Man beat Fire, uh, Fire, Fire Lord? Lord? Fire Lord, yeah. Uh, right. The answer is the the writer was a dick, right? He's just the, <laughs> I don't like Fire Lord, so he beat him up. But the thing in that one was the cosmic scale wasn't an act; it was the uh, street level sort of scale. And so the version of Fire Lord he fought wasn't the one maybe the Silver Surfer just fought last week, right? 
I mean, these are lots of and this, Yeah, and, and, you know, and Spider-Man was in that particular emotional state, and you could pretty much argue at that point when Spider-Man is, like, that messed up and has had that many problems and really needs to beat on somebody that badly, he's basically a cosmic-level character, <laughs> right? I'm okay with that, like, you know, two-minute power-up for dramatic purposes. Right? I think That's, you might have to learn a lesson about what comes with great power. Yeah, right. <laughs> great punches. Great punching, right, exactly. <laughs> well, you know... I, I, had, I always had that trouble with the, with the phaser up system, though. Because if I had a bad guy who had, like, a, an incredible uh, uh, armor, body armor, and everyone in my team, the players, had no more than a remarkable 30, it wouldn't matter how many times you hit the guy, he would just ignore it. Mm-hmm. There, there was no duplication. I mean, if you had two powerhouses, I played through a cosmic-level adventure, I think, was the sort of a, had the Galactus and everybody else in it, you like all cosmic, played... Cosmic, cosmic. Right, yeah. like Thor and Beta Ray yeah, Everyone had, like, yeah, class 1,000 right. strength, and it, nothing happened. Like, you go, bang, 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 it was like, I ignored this, so do I. And, <laughs> it, you know, and the, the module even sort of said, so make them fight for a bit, but when that happens, <laughs> uh, a timer goes off, and now you have to see who's still there. I mean, it, it was not really well done. Um, and I don't, I'm not entirely sure sometimes if we always fix that problem, um, with single comics, we definitely have different kinds of stress to, to cause people. I mean, you can uh, ridicule a guy to death, essentially, <laughs> in the fight if you can't hurt him, right? Right. Right. I, I don't know how guys is going to do it, but probably like that's going to be his whole shit. Right. He's yeah. It was a common tactic in Marvel too, like escalate emotional stress over, you know, especially like you're going up against right. the Hulk, just. Keep making it matter and don't avoid and that's mad really and avoid and yeah, <laughs> run away. Hulk's <and laughs> just right. just stomp off eventually. We hope. How much of that trope of like the superhero losing and then coming back and winning is simply the players represented as the players learn thinking of a clever way to beat a villain that they so, can't beat. Right. Ideally, that's great. Yeah, well, and, and, that's the, and then the players do that themselves and don't require any like mechanical or DM yeah. to right. do that. You, you win. That's awesome. That, and yeah. that is how it, that is really like especially like when you're GMing a superhero story you should gem it differently than you are doing like a fantasy dungeon crawl or something where you're yeah. like okay you face the villain and the villain like hits some buttons and does an overwhelming thing and says ha ha you cannot stop me and then teleports out and then the heroes have to like oh no figure out some stuff and the, do some things. The, and, the like, pervading philosophy in you know a lot of game design today is like make, helping your players become awesome, right? Helping yeah. your players be awesome. That is you know magnified a hundred times in a superhero game, right? That's you know your opportunities for awesome should come fast and furious. But you have to set up the situation you have first, to, right, right? right? You can't just say, okay, here's a guy. I want you to be awesome, so you will always beat him. As right? No, that's what I'm saying. That's a, you know you you should you the game and the GM should like build those scenes and like set up those scenes where you know. You do get. You're gonna get your ass kicked, kicked in this first seat. That's just gonna happen the way yes. things work. And then you will have the opportunity. Yeah, which, uh, that uh, opportunity will be very clear. I guess my point you, is: uh, is you know. do you need the mechanics for it, or do you just need to change? No, it. I yeah. think you need to be. You know, yeah, you need to be a good storyteller. Yeah, we, we you need to understand narrative beats. We are doing something like this in terms of the pacing because when you have uh, higher levels of and the, the red, uh, orange, you red, yellow, green uh, sort of uh, thing, the gyro system, right? Um, everyone starts off with green stress level, then it can advance to yellow, which is getting worse. Then when it's in red, everything's crazy. Some of the abilities that the heroes have don't kick in into the red, right? So you have to fight for a bit and get beaten up until finally you go, now I'm going to think, yeah. form blazing sword. <laughs> like, why didn't you do it the first time? You didn't have it. It's my red kicker. Right. Yeah. I wasn't mad enough. Yeah. I right. Know. Right. Yeah. Will the uh, 
quick question. Will the Sentinels RPG have a um, character design system? Yes, absolutely. We've okay. been playtesting it specifically this show. We've done three sessions of it. it and yeah. uh, it, it, is, it has been working. I feel like it's been working really well. Um, uh, we, we know we have a lot of things to do with it. But, um, yeah, that was that was a requirement early on when Cam and I were first talking about this. Like, uh, it, there, we, were, we were not going to do... I was not interested in doing a Sentinel Comics RPG unless you could make your own characters and play along, and either play alongside existing um, canonical characters in the Sentinels universe or just completely have your own team that mucks around against whatever they want to. Like, But you, you said, character creation is very important to me. It wasn't my fault with Marvel. Just yeah, no, yeah. no. I... I, 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 I I figured it, but I just was curious. What type of character creation system does it's it It's a have? good one. It's a good one. It's 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 yeah. so like there's the point by sort of system where you you can specifically get exactly what you want, and there's the random rolling <laughs> allocation system where you, who, who oh. knows what you're gonna end up. We are like somewhere in between those two, to where you have kind of an organic character creation process that involves you're gonna roll some dice, but the way that you use those is very specific, and you can you have a lot of options with those. So you can definitely like come to the table with a specific sort of character in mind that you want to make, and you can make that character. But the process of making that character, you're going to learn things about the character you didn't initially know. So, anyway, cool. I think we're out of time. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, dude. Thank you guys so much.